I started over, guys. Sorry. What's going on, guys? Today on Odd Pods with the Odd Rod, we are on the episode of Jeffrey Dahmer, the People Mommer. And this has actually been a request of mine for like, well, people have actually been requesting Jeffrey Dahmer. Because I did Ted Bundy, I did Gacy, I did Dean Allen Coral. Um, there's just like a lot of people. I know, right? I did a couple of people already, but uh, Dahmer has been some of my, I guess, the top requests of mine that I haven't done yet. <laughs> I, I apologize for my voice, and if you guys hear some coughing, um, I've been sick for the past two weeks. Yeah, who's big would have been on the top? There's fucking hair everywhere. Is it yours? Oops. <laughs> Is it yours? No. <laughs> So, yeah, guys. I just fucking shed my hair back here. Ow, I sat on my hair. (laughs) (laughs) I need a trim. Somebody come and cut my hair. So, yeah, I've been sick for the past two weeks, but I ended up spending my birthday sick and at a concert. Didn't give two shits because it was a birthday gift for my friends, you know. And And I went to Logandale with my family the day before. And it's been, like, two years since the the COVID pandemic, and that was canceled for the past two years. And actually, it was awesome, it was awesome being back up there because, you know, the just atmosphere was awesome. Um, I am joined today by my child and my mother. Hi, everybody. <laughs> so you guys know that. You'll either hear Frick or Frack talking or making small comments or they're probably bickering at each other while we're doing this. So enjoy the comedic skits along the way. There isn't anybody bothering you. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm just going to be, don't mind me. I'm going to be, I'm going to be They've been asking me, people have been asking me to do Dahmer for like a bit. And the thing was, I was kind of hesitant on doing oh, Jeffrey Dahmer. I've been hesitant. Yeah. I've been really hesitant on doing Jeffrey Dahmer because, um, just reasons. It's not because, you know, I didn't want, like, the backlash or whatever, and, like, on my own opinions about it, you know. Or whatnot. I just said the fact that, you know, people are always getting information wrong and then they're putting, like, you know, saying all kinds of stuff. So, yeah. Like, you know, I have people talking shit, like, oh my god, like, you're just doing the same old thing. The thing is, when I do my podcast, I do based on what people ask me to do. And I'm like, okay, so it's my podcast, I'm gonna do what the fuck I'm gonna do, you know? Um, Regardless of what serial killer I decide to pick, or we pull out a hat, this one was, uh, it's like people asking me what to, uh, to do, to, you know, do Jeffrey Dahmer from my perspective, or whatever, so here we go. Like I said, I get my information from books, news articles, and uh, two websites, Wikipedia and Murderpedia. Murderpedia is the Wikipedia of serial killers. They both feature male and female serial killers from different countries around the world. Um, just another side note, guys, uh, if you guys want to start your own podcast, download Anchor, and, uh, what it does, it distributes your podcast throughout the whole interwebs, uh, wherever people get their podcasts, and that's where they can find you. <coughs> like I said, I'm sorry for the cough, I've been sick for the past two weeks. Um, yeah, so, Jeffrey Dahmer, oh, Lord.
So, Jeffrey Lionel Dahmer was born on May 21st. Wow. <laughs> he was born on May 21st in 1960, and he died on November 28th, 1994. Also known as the Milwaukee Cannibal or the Milwaukee Monster. Also known as Jeffrey Dahmer the People Nomer. I actually want that shirt made. <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer, the people nomer. I mean, I seldom actually talk about cannibals. The other, the, other, the other cannibal I did talk about was Armin Mivis, and that was on Halloween. Then, if you guys know, Armin Mivis is actually known as the Rottenberg cannibal, who was uh, actually uh, behind the whole um, Mind Tale song from Rammstein, where uh, was actually the inspiration for Rom, uh, for Mind Tale from Rammstein. Um, Rottenberg cannibal, Armin Mivis. Um, a side thing, I'm going to do a little side thing right here. When I was talking about Armin Mivis and Accountable Cafe, this was before the deep web was a thing, and it was in the clear web, and then when the dark web popped up, that's when the forum was moved to the dark web, and it was seized by the FBI and all this shit when all that went down. So, um, that's just the whole thing about Armin Mivis, who's actually serving a life sentence now. It used to be eight years for, um... They think they call this second degree manslaughter and a defile, uh, defilement of a human corpse because of uh, him eating burnt brandis and that stuff. But yeah. All right. Enough about our Armin Mivis. Let's go along with Jeffrey Dahmer. He said he tasted like wild pork, like wild pig. Did he ever go hunting? I have no idea. I don't care to know. Probably lazy. That's why he killed a man. No, it's not like he had like a he had like a like he had a like a fetish like when he was a kid. Like he had a ma- like it was like a it was a dream. It was like a dream or like like a, a or some kind of wish that he would like he would fantasize about make, having an imaginary friend like a brother or like a best friend and like he said he would imagine him eating him. That way the person would be with them forever. I mean, I don't know how, like, to, like, I don't know. It was, like, it was weird because he kind of romanticized cannibalism in a way. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how you can romanticize cannibalism. I mean, I, I mean, you're sitting there, yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> romanticize a I mean, that you can eat. It's bad enough people romanticize serial killers. Like they, like, they want... <laughs> Like it's it's bad enough they they want to like <coughs> date. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, you're supposed to. Uh, it's like you know, like you romanticize the serial killer, like how girls romanticize about uh, Richard Ramirez or Ted Bundy. How people thought that Ted Bundy was hot, and I really don't didn't see. Yeah, people like women thought Ted Bundy. Yeah, there was women simping over Ted Bundy, thinking he was the oh, shit. Oh, when he was in court, they were all blinking their eyes and saying, showing, uh, holding up signs, saying, I love you, will yeah. you marry me, even when he was in prison? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Go ahead, marry him, so you can yeah. be number 62. I shit you not. <laughs> if you bitch sit next to him, you can be 63 and 64. I shit you not. Women, what, I don't know like why some women actually fantasize or... Or romanticize the thought of being with a person like that. Like, I don't know. 
Like, they didn't have like, no qualm, no qualm about being, yeah. like, et or, they didn't have or no, being, like, chopped up or yeah. strangled. They had no qualms about that, and it was just, like, messed up. That's, like, how some females thought Jeffrey Dahmer was a looker. Yeah, yes, he, he, he was good-looking for a white boy. He was. I mean. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> Did you take a second look, woman? <laughs> this is so yeah, happy. Yeah, I was in jail. I said, um, no, I mean, and then, the, and then Richard Ramirez, <laughs> everybody <laughs> thought Richard Ramirez was a oh, fox. That's I mean, if you see no, his pictures. I heard his teeth were so jacked up. I heard that when he went into the library and asked for some books and some shit, that old man said, oh my God, he smelled like a, sh- like a sheep. Ooh. He smelled like a, like, a, like a dirty sheep. His teeth were all messed up, brown and black, and he smelled really bad. He was like, I mean... I can't stand him not toes. being, like, with his hygiene and shit. I mean, because he, he wasn't really a hygienic person, and, like, people... Yeah. When he came out of the bathroom, done something, he must have bubble guts forever because they said he stuck up the whole place. Yeah. And they told him he could not come back at one, one restaurant that he went into. Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's kind of like, I guess I'm trying to say... I don't, I don't know why some girls are like, oh, my God, he's, like, the bee's knees. I mean, I don't understand how how women could like. Oh my God, he's so hot. Even nowadays, when they see like, okay, look at the the guy with the hot mugshot. Remember that one dude? Which one? Uh, they called it the guy with the sexy mugshot or the sexy felon or some shit. That was like a while back ago, and the dude got like a modeling contract. For real? Yeah. Even though he was in, Even prison. He was in prison, he got like a modeling contract. I mean, like. No, it was some like I don't even think it was like I don't even know what the fuck it was, but anyways. I don't know. It was a pretty black boy, and there was he had like blue eyes or something. He was in jail. Yeah. They offered him um, clean up himself. He started to stay on probation. Yeah. And um, I believe he wore a monitor, but he had to wear like pants and stuff like that when he was doing photo shoots. I don't know why I don't know why females do that. I mean, so I'm just like, okay, this is like a whole thing of like why females or I have that romanticism thing about serial killers and like you know. Wait, he, bro, did they even take a second look at the? I don't think they do take a second look. That's how they realize they're just thirsty. Yeah, and then when they wake up from that fucking delusion, they're like, holy shit! Like I really like this dude or whatever. I mean. I don't know. When you're on a when you're on a breathing machine and shit, you're probably saying to yourself, <laughs> "Yeah, too late." All right. So, Jeffrey Dahmer. So as we know, his name was Jeffrey Lionel Dahmer. He was he was American serial killer and sex offender who committed the murders and dismemberment of seventeen men and boys between seventy eight and ninety one. So he was like around the time of of Gacy, and oh. but yeah, um, Gacy was executed in ninety four. I mean, you know, when I was growing up and stuff, and like when we're you know like live, we lived here in Vegas, but I remember like I don't know why it just didn't really bother me with Gacy and and until um. Boys and stuff, you know, were disappearing, and then they, would be all kinds of shit. I mean, even with that that guy from um that black guy who was killing them little baby boys over there in Georgia. Oh, the uh, not the Green River killer, but the uh, that black guy, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and he was like a weasel. He was like a little guy. I mean, like some of the people he killed were bigger than him. Yeah, you know. I remember that one. 
Some ice or something. Uh, I'll just, can you wash your hands and get me some ice and cook? Please. Sure. Or get me some water or something. I'm dying over here. Okay. Alright. Thursday. Okay. So many of his later murders involve necrophilia and cannibalism. Uh. So, necrophilia, my dear children. Do you know what necrophilia is? Necrophilia is also known as necrophilism, necrolantia, necrocodis, and necrocolesis is a sexual attraction towards or, ha- or doing a sexual act involving corpses. It is classified as a paraphilia by the World Health Organization. It's diagnostic manual as well as the American Psychiatric Association. Yeah, so what it means is you like to bump uglies with dead bodies. Yeah, because they can't say no. <laughs> I, well, there is the term you can't rape the dead. Oh, yes. Or the can. dead can't say no. Oh, that's awful. Hmm. Yeah, there's like sayings that they say you can't, you can't rape the dead. Or no, you can't, no, the dead can't say no or some shit like that. And you got people like obsessed with fucking like raping dead bodies. I mean, there's people. Yeah, there's there's people that get busted in morgues for having sex with bodies. Um, Gacy's case when he was uh, uh working in a mortuary out here, he actually out here? yeah out here before he went back to, um Illinois. to Illinois. Oh Illinois. Um, he was working in a mortuary out here where he admitted he would lay in the coffins with some of the young teenage boys and fondle their bodies, like bumper pool. Jesus. <laughs> so. All right. Homicide. Cause of death was homicide. Severe head trauma. Fun fact, kiddos. He was beaten to death by an iron with a metal pole by an inmate. His fellow inmate. Oh, when he died? Yeah. Uh, his resting place, he was cremated. It was a stick or something. It was a, like a metal pole. Like a metal... Um, Pole? Wasn't he doing um, mopping the pole yeah. or something? Yeah, he was. And um, he said something that didn't sit well with. Uh, I think someone said something to him and then he answered them back kind of probably snarky or something. Dude and, didn't like what he heard. And, and the guy went over there and probably said, I'll shoot <coughs> him or whatever. You know, yeah. That's what some other witnesses People said, said, yeah. So he was cremated. His ashes were given to his parents. Um, what his parents I don't know. I really don't know. Um, his convictions were first-degree murder, child molestation, indecent exposure, disorderly contact, conduct, uh, public intoxication. Uh, his initial imprisonment, or his, yeah, his imprisonment, um, his um, imprisonment sentence was life, consisting of sixteen life terms. That would be nine hundred and forty-one years in prison consecutively. He had a total of 17 victims. Let's see. Uh, he was actually at Columbia Correctional Institution. Although he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, um, not bipolar, uh, borderline personality disorder, uh, schizolipto uh, personality disorder, which means he had, uh, he, he might have been schizophrenic, personal, like different personalities. Um, psychotic disorder. Dahmer was found to be legally sane at his trial because they were trying to get him as, I guess, um, 
plead insanity. But he was convicted of 15 of the 16 murders he had committed in Wisconsin and was sentenced to, a sentence to 15 terms of life imprisonment on February 17th in 1992. He was later sentenced to 16, his uh, 16th life term of, uh, yeah, imprisonment life, yeah, a year later, wow. So he, all, he was convicted of 15 and later convicted of the, the, the 16th murder. So, uh, on November 28th, 1994, Dahmer was beaten to death by Christopher Scarver, a fellow inmate at the Columbia Correctional Institution. So, his childhood, like we all mentioned, he was born on May 21st in 1960 in Milwaukee. He was the first of two sons of Joyce Annette and Annette Flint and Lionel Herbert Dahmer. Lionel Dahmer was of German and Welsh ancestry. Joyce was of Norwegian and Irish ancestry. Some sources report that Dahmer was deprived of attention as an infant. Other sources, however, suggest that Dahmer was generally doted upon as an infant and toddler by both parents. Although his mother was known to be tense and greedy for both attention and pity, and argumentative with her husband and their neighbors, as Dahmer entered first grade, Sorry, guys. Okay, so as he entered the first grade, Lionel's studies kept him away from home much of the time. When he was home, his wife, a hypochondriac who suffered from depression, demanded a constant attention and spent increasing amount of time in bed. So, guys, a hypochondriac or someone who suffers from hypochondria is someone who excessively and unduly worries about having serious illnesses. Uh, for example, I'm going to throw a movie in this. Uh, do you guys remember the movie It? So, yeah. Eddie Kasprak, his mother was a hypochondriac. His mother actually kind of like had a spat of Munchausen by proxy because she's always saying that Eddie was sick all the time. Yeah. So, that's kind of... and uh, She was unnecessarily making him thinking he was a hypochondriac, that he had this, 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 and that's why he always had a little... This is like the newer, the, the newer version of It, which I kind of like because that is more, I guess, in detail with the book. Like, not all the details of the book, but, like, the certain key points of the book, you know. Um, so, his mother was a hypochondriac. She was, like, a fucking nut. Um, who suffered from depression, demanded constant attention, and spent increasing amount of time in bed. On one occasion, she was known to have attempted suicide when Equinil. What the hell is Equinil? Uh... It was a minor tra- oh, it's a minor tranquilizer down. So consequently neither parent doubted, devoted each time to their son, who later reconciled recollected that from an early age. Fuck, that's an ugly cat. <laughs> my mom's looking on Facebook. Oh my god. That looks like cat when you bother her to you can put that's what she's gonna. On. That's what she's gonna look like when she gets older. All pissed off all the time. She fucking looks like that old bitch. <laughs> <laughs> she, when I went into the bathroom, I flushed the toilet because I had to go pee. She looks at me and she jumps in the toilet and she's all like sour puss in there. Like, I put her in there. I didn't put you in there. 
Who lit? Okay, so he felt like unsure of the solidarity solidarity of his family, or the solidity of his family actually, because they were always fighting all the time. There was extreme tension and numerous arguments between his parents during the early years. So he actually grew up with his mom being the way she was and his dad staying away because of school and all this shit. Not to mention that, like his mom was going through what she was going through. Um, Dahmer had been an energetic and happy child, but became notably subdued to a double hernia surgery shortly before his fourth birthday. At elementary school, Dahmer was regarded as quiet and timid. One teacher later recollected that she detected early signs of abandonment. So this could be due to, you know, his mom's uh, hypochondriac illnesses and shit like that, you know. Until these increased when she became pregnant with her second child. Nonetheless, in grade school, Dahmer did have a small number of friends. So he did have a small circle, but it wasn't like, you know, he was like the social butterfly of the school, you know. Um, in 96, the family moved from uh, moved to Doylestown, Ohio. When, she, when Joyce gave birth in December, Jeffrey was allowed to choose the name of his baby brother. He chose the name David. Later that year... Uh, Lionel earned his degree and started work as an analytical chemist in Arkin, Ohio. So, Akron, my bad, Arkin. Why did I say Arkin? <laughs> my bad, guys. Uh, my my um, eyes went a different way. <laughs> uh, from an early age, Dahmer manifested an interest in dead animals. His fascination with dead animals began with the age of four. He saw his father removing animal bones from beneath the family home. According to Lionel, Dahmer was oddly thrilled by the sound of the bones made and became preoccupied with the animal bones, which he called him called them his fiddlesticks. He called bones his fiddlesticks. Okay. He occasionally searched beneath and around the family home additional bones and explored the bodies of live animals to discover where the bones were located. In 68, the family moved to Bath Township, Summit County, Ohio. This address was their third in two years and the Dahmer's sixth address since marriage. The home stood on one and a half acres of woodland with a small hut being short walk from uh, the house where Dahmer began collecting large insects such as dragonflies, moths, and skeletons of dead animals such as chipmunks and squirrels. Um... Some of these remains were preserved in jars of formaldehyde and stowed away within the hut. So, uh, guys, what I'm going to say is basically what people won't say when they're evaluating a serial killer or a killer in general or anybody with a violent tendency or a violent outburst. When they pick on small animals or pick on roadkill or have a fascination with dead animals... It's, and it's a constant thing, like, they're, like, or if you see them harming animals, small animals, like cats, dogs, whatever, it's said by psychiatrists and, um, behavioral analysts that they have, that this person or people, oh, yeah, this person was bullied, and, you know, them hurting smaller animals gives them the control over them. And because they're weak and they can't fight back or they they don't have the tendency to fight back. It gives them more power over the small creature, what have you. And I hate to say this because I know people who actually did do shit to small animals, 
dead animals, you know, smash them or whatever. How, uh, like, I know only one person in my family listens to my podcast. And one of my cousins, I'm not naming who, but one year I had goldfish as a giveaway present for my birthday. And he took half of them out of their fish bowls and he was stomping on them outside. There and yelled at him. Yeah. And then his so-called stepmom came to yelling at him, and I was screaming at her too. I said, "What kind of thing are you raising here?" I said, "Are you raising him to be like that?" And she gets off this off at me. I said, "You better take him to a damn doctor. Something's wrong with this boy." Yeah, like it, it be. Yeah, he. Yeah, he did some fucked up shit to those fishes, man, and I was like, "What the hell is he doing to the fish?" You know. Yeah. <laughs> Real mom found out she wanted to go over there and beat Cat up and beat him up too. <laughs> yeah, but it starts off with in general that they pick because they're being bullied or picked on that they feel like they need to do like like show their dominance, which is fucked up. I mean, animal people who hurt animals out of fun don't even deserve a fucking chance. I swear, I swear. I mean, that just pisses me off. Okay, so anyways, uh, two years later during the chicken dinner, Dahmer asked Lionel what would happen if chicken bones were placed in bleach. Lionel, pleased by, by what he believed to be his son's scientific cu- curiosity, demonstrated how safe to safely bleach and preserve animal bones. Dahmer incorporated these preserving techniques into his bone collecting and also began collecting dead animals, including roadkill which he would dissect and bury inside the hut with the skulls occasionally placed on top makeshift crosses. According to one friend, Dahmer explained to him how he was curious as to how animals fit together. Um, in one instance, Dahmer decapitated a carcass of a dog before nailing the body to a tree and impaling the skull upon a stick in a woodland behind his house. As a prank, he later invited his friend to view the display, claiming that he had discovered the remains by chance. The same year Lionel taught his son how to preserve animal bones, Joyce began increasing her daily consumption of equinal laxatives and sleeping pills, further minimizing her tangible contact with her husband and children. So she might have been just suffering from postpartum depression. Ooh. The emotion. Ooh. Mindset. That's yeah. So she was basically, the mom basically was probably just going through it with the postpartum. I mean, postpartum is a bitch to have, man. Trust me, I know. I mean, everybody that's a mom knows what postpartum depression is. Yeah. And sometimes you get, you can get out of the moody blues, or you can't get out of the moody blues. It just okay. depends. No, no, you're going to say out of it. Oh, no, you're, you're still in it, right? I know, but with the oh, I know. No, no, this is um, I'm reading the thingies. I know. I know. So, in high school, he was being picked on, whatnot, same old thing, you know. Um, he was being picked on. He became a class clown, stage pranks, uh, which also became known as doing a Dahmer. Like, oh, no, he just pulled a Dahmer. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, including, wow, he was kind of fucked up. He would uh, bleed and simulate epileptic seizures or having cerebral palsy. Holy shit, this kid's fucking weird. 
Oh my god. <sighs> so as a freshman in high school, he began or he was seen as an outcast by age 14. He was drinking beer and hard liquor in daylight hours, frequently concealing the liquor inside a jacket he wore to school. He was known to have mentioned to one classmate who inquired why he was drinking scotch in the morning history class. The alcohol he consumed was my medicine. Although largely uncommunicative in his freshman year, Dahmer was seen by his staff as polite and highly intelligent, but with average grades. He was a keen tennis player and briefly played in high school band. Um, when he reached puberty, he discovered that he was gay. He did not tell his parents, and his in his early teens, he had a brief relationship with another teenage boy. Although they have never had intercourse by Dahmer's later admission, he began fantasizing about dominating and controlling a completely submissive male partner. <coughs> in his early to mid-teens, <clears throat> his masturbatory fantasies gradually evolved to his focusing upon chest and torsos, a focus of his fantasies. And these fantasies he gradually intertwined with dissection. When he was about 16, Dahmer conceived a fantasy that rendering a unconscious particular male jogger he had found attractive than making sexual use of his body. On one occasion, Dahmer concealed himself in the bushes with a baseball bat to lie in wait for this man. However, he did not pass by on that particular day. Dahmer later said it was his first attempt to attack someone. So this is when he was like 16. He was already having them. Huh? They do? Ooh. Despite being a loner and oddball, he was, you know, a class clown, like I said, doing a Dahmer. 77, his grades had declined, and his parents hired a private tutor. With limited success that same year in an attempt to save their marriage, his parents attended counseling sessions. They continued to fight frequently when Lionel discovered Joyce had engaged in a brief affair in 77. They both decided to divorce, telling their sons they wished to do this so amicably. Lionel moved out of the house, and then his mom... And his brother left Dahmer by himself right before graduation. So he came home one day, his mom and brother were gone. <coughs> so he was living for himself for a while. And we get into his teens, his late teens and early 20s. And this is where the first murder occurs. The murder of Stephen Hicks. Dahmer committed his first murder in 78, three weeks after his graduation on June 18th. Dahmer picked up a hitchhiker named Stephen Mark Hicks, who was almost 19. Dahmer lured the youth to his house in the pretext of drinking. Hicks ha had been hitchhiking to a rock concert in Chippewa Lake Park, Idaho, agreed to accompany Dahmer to his house upon a promise of a few beers with Dahmer had to his, as he had his whole house to himself. According to Dahmer, the sight of the bare-chested Hicks standing at the roadside stirred his sexual feelings, although when Hicks began talking about girls, he knew any sexual passes he would made would be rebuffed. After several hours of talking, drinking, listening to music, Hicks wanted to leave, and I didn't want him to. Dahmer bludgeoned Hicks with a 10-pound dumbbell. He later stated that he struck Hicks behind, from behind. When the dumbbell hit Hicks, uh... He was unconscious. He strangled him to death with a bar of the dumbbell, then stripped his clothes from Hicks' body before exploring his chest with his hands, then masturbating as he stood above the corpse. 
The following day, Dahmer dissected Hicks's body in his basement. Later, he buried the remains in a shallow grave in his backyard. Before, several weeks later, unearthing remains and pairing the flesh from the bones, he dissolved the flesh in acid before flushing the solution down the toilet. He crushed the bones with a sledgehammer and scattered them in the woodland behind the family home. So, like, his dad was already kind of teaching him how, like, to preserve bones and probably, like, what could get rid of those bones. So, that was, like, a whole thing on its own. Like, holy shit. That's nuts. So, he was in, he went to college, Ohio State University. Um, He did only a term. And then he joined the Army. Yeah, he joined the Army. Uh, he was trained as a medical specialist in Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, he was deployed to um, Baumholder, West Germany. He served as a combat medic in the 2nd Battalion, 68th Armored Regiment, and 8th Infantry Division. According to published reports, Dahmer, in his first year of service, had an average or slightly above average soldier, was an average soldier. According to that also report, owing to his alcohol abuse, his performance deteriorated. And in eighty one, he was seemed he was deemed unsuitable for military service and was later discharged from the army. He actually received an honorable discharge from the army. Dahmer. Yeah. Wow, I didn't even know he was. A... He was a combat medic. Maybe that's why he knew what to give him. Maybe. No. Um. As his superiors did not believe any promise Dahmer had in the army would be, would you keep breaking your leg? <laughs> she's trying to draw, guys. The thing about my special one here is she's a drawer. She's so uh, she likes to. She's an artist, so she's trying to um shade, and it's breaking. <laughs> so on March twenty fourth, nineteen eighty one. He was sent to Fort Jackson, California, or no, it's not California, South Carolina, my bad, um, for debriefing and provided a plane ticket to travel anywhere in the country. Dahmer later told police he felt he could not return home to face his father, so he opted to travel to Miami Beach, both because he was tired of the cold and he attempted to live by his own means. In Florida, he found employment at a delicacy. Delic- How do you say a deli? I did it the second time, you didn't hear me. <laughs> How do you say a full the full name for Delhi? Delicatessen. Okay, yeah, I can't pronounce that shit. <laughs> I can't pronounce the word, guys. <laughs> it's Leviosa, not Leviosa. <laughs> shit. Didn't I buy some from her, the abalone? I think so. I I did. Abalone, abalone shell. Yeah, you did. Yeah, she's got beautiful ones now. Ooh. I think I still have some. No. I went around. Uh, let's see. I had the. Uh, she's got a heart one. She also has. Um, mm-hmm. Shout. Mm-hmm. She also has. Oh, don't show me that. You nasty. <laughs> I'm going to slap you in a minute. <laughs> For context, I had a loogie. Mm-hmm. Oh, those are nice. <laughs> so I'm saying, guys, I'm sorry. I'm like, I said, like, I'm, I've been sick for the past two weeks. My voice is a wreck. I've been coughing like hella crazy, and 
other shit's coming out now. So, you know, it is what it is. So, <laughs> so he rented a hotel room. Dahmer spent most of his salary on booze and was soon evicted from the said hotel room for non-payment. He initially spent his earnings on the on the beach as he continued to work for the sandwich shop until phoning his father and said, "I need to come home. I you know I'm broke. I'm cold, and I don't want to be. I don't want to be by myself on the beach no more." <laughs> Me when I'm like home from a show. I need an Uber home. I'm scared. No, I was kidding. <laughs> Mom, pick me up. I'm scared. <laughs> Catch an Uber. <laughs> my, my ass usually when I'm fucking like all freaked out or whatever. Return to Ohio and relocation of the West Ellis Wisconsin. I almost said Wisconsin. Wisconsin. <laughs> oh my god, guys. Another side thing right here. We finally found 200 cigarettes after the long search. If you guys don't know what that movie is, find it, watch it. It's hilarious. Trust me. <laughs> okay, so on his return to Ohio, <laughs> Dahmer, Dahmer initially resided with his father and stepmother and insisted on being a delegated numerous chores to occupy his time while he looked for work. He continued to drink heavily, and two weeks after his turn, he was arrested for drunken disorderly contact, conduct when he was actually fined $60 and given a 10-day suspended jail sentence. Dahmer's father tried unsuccessfully to wean his son off of alcohol. Um, in 81, he and Dahmer's stepmother sent him to live with his grandmother. Uh, Dahmer's grandmother was the only family member to who, who he displayed any affection. So he actually, the only person he really actually loved was his grandma. I mean, because she, because she, you know, probably, you know, no matter what, no matter what, kind of wreckage he was she still loved him unconditionally and you know didn't judge him like his parents um some people you know they they find comfort in their grandmas uh let's see they hope that in her influence that plus the change of scenery might persuade him to quit drinking find a job and live responsibly initially Dahmer's living arrangements Mm. With his grand, uh, yeah. Well, initially his arrangement with his grandma was harmonious. He accompanied her to church, unwillingly undertook chores, actively sought work, and abided by the most house rules. And did continue, although he did continue to drink and smoke. This new influence in his life initially brought results, and he actually found employment as a full botanist in the Milwaukee Blood Plasma Center. He actually had a job for ten months before being laid off. He remained unemployed for over two years, in which he lived on whatever money his grandma gave him. Before losing his job, he was arrested for indecent exposure. What is indecent exposure, children? The expression that describes a deliberate public exposure by a person a portion of their body in a manner contrary to local standards of appropriate behavior. So that means like flashing your genitals or boobs or whatever. So he probably got caught for showing his wiener to somebody. <laughs> so he was uh, at uh, Wisconsin State Fair Park. He was observed to have exposed himself on the south side of the Coliseum, uh, including women. There was 25 people who were in view, including women and children. For this incident, he was convicted and fined $50 plus court costs. Oh, that's all? Yeah.
me a gavel. I'll be a judge. Franken monster. Your wiener in front of everybody. Throw your ass in prison. Oh, play. No, I feel. Did you see that old man when we were eating lunch? Oh yeah, that dude was gross. He, he took a lollipop out of his pocket and threw the paper down and stuck the lollipop in his mouth. <coughs> I was watching him, and then he saw that little girl coming. He takes the lollipop out of his mouth and. Puts it in front of the, waving that in front of that little girl's face, and then she put her hand up and walked right past him. She must have been nothing about maybe about four or five years old. Yeah, she knows the rules of stranger danger. You know, and I'm like, he better not even try. I said, I'll get up and I'll wreck that old man. I said, I'll tangle that. I think he saw you trying to like looking at him. I gave him the dirtiest look. Did you see when we passed him by? Yeah. I said, dare to look at my granddaughter and see what happens. Doesn't mean I'm gonna go after you right now. I said, I was ready to go down there and fucking beat the shit out of him. Shit. I don't play. I'll hurt him. Don't play. Can I be too careful with your foot with your babies, kids? Mm -hmm. Watch them at all costs. Protect them at all costs. Mm-hmm. He knew it too. Yeah, he was all. He was wondering why people were like, and somebody was like, all like, they like, were trying to distract him from looking at them kids too. Did you notice? Yes. So. I think he went over there because they were like all screaming and stuff. Yeah. I mean, that was fucking annoying as shit, but still, you know, go after somebody else's kid. This meemaw's gonna jump up on him. And I said, I swear to God, I was screaming. Like, all like, kids, just like for fun, no, like, all kids. Hit you with a fucking tomahawk right in the throat. Yeah, all kids are meemaw's kids, the way yeah. she says it. So, in, um, after his, uh, his indecent exposure, he was hired as a mixer at the Milwaukee and Brosha Chocolate Factory, where he worked seven uh, to eleven p.m. to seven a.m. Uh, six nights per week, with Saturday evenings off. Shortly after Dahmer found his appointment, an indecent occur uh, incident occurred, which he was prop- propositioned by another man while sitting and reading at the public library. The stranger threw Dahmer a note offering to perform fellatio on him. Uh, <laughs> guys, you guys, I know you go. Yeah, I know you know you know what that word means. We all know what that word means, guys. Um, although Dahmer did not respond to this proposition, the incident stirred in his mind and the fantasies of control and dominance had developed as a teenager had begun to familiarize himself again with it. So he used to go to gay bars, gay bathhouses, bookstores. Um, <coughs> he was also known to have stolen a male mannequin from a store. <coughs> I think you know what for. Um, his grandmother discovered the item stowed in the closet and demanded that he discarded it. So his Mima found his sex doll and said, get that shit out. By 85, Dahmer had began to regularly frequent the bathhouses, which he described later as being relaxed in places. But during his sexual encounters, he became frustrated at his partner's moving during the act. Following his arrest, he stated, I trained myself to view people as objects of pleasure instead of people. For this reason, beginning in 86, he administered sleeping pills to his partners, giving them liquor laced with sedatives, and he waited for his partner to fall asleep before performing various sexual acts. To maintain very um, adequate supply of medication, Dahmer informed doctors that he worked nights and required the tablets to adjust his body to work on social hours. Yeah. 
After approximately 12 uh, such instances, the bathhouse administrations revoked Dahmer's membership and began to use hotel rooms to continue this practice. Shortly after his membership of the bathhouses were revoked, Dahmer read a report in a newspaper uh, uh, regarding the upcoming funeral of an 18-year-old male. He conceived the idea of stealing the freshly interred corpse and taking it home. According to Dahmer, he attempted to dig up the coffin from the ground, but found that the soil was too hard and abandoned the plan. So he was going to go ahead and perform necrophilia. Oh, Lord. So, 86 happened. Uh, Dahmer was arrested upon a charge of lewd and lascivious behavior for masturbating in the presence of a 12-year-old boy. Two 12-year-old boys. He initially claimed that he merely had been urinating, unaware that there were witnesses, but soon admitted that to the offense. He was charged, it was actually changed to disorderly conduct, and on March 10th and 87, Dahmer was sentenced to one year of probation with additional instructions that he was to undergo counseling. <coughs> so he was already doing some fucked up shit before he started killing people. After, I mean, after his, like, after his first murder, you know. On uh, November in 87, Dahmer at the time was residing still with his grandma. Uh, he encountered a 25-year-old man from Ontagon, Michigan, Stephen Tuami, a bar, at a bar, and persuaded him to return to the Ambassador Hotel in Milwaukee, where Dahmer rented a room for the evening. According to Dahmer, he had no intention of murdering Tuami, but... Rather, intently simply drugging him and laying beside his explored his body. The following morning, he woke to find Tuami laying beneath him on the bed. His chest cr- crushed in and black and blue with bruises. The blood was seeping from the corner of his mouth. Dahmer's fist and forearm were extensively bruised. Dahmer stated that he had no memory of having killed Tuami, but later informed investigators that he could not believe this had happened. To dispose of his body, he purchased a large suitcase in which he transported the body to his grandmother's residence. Through a week later, he severed the head, arms, and legs, and torso. He then filleted the bones from the body before coating each of the flesh pieces in small pieces enough to handle. He then placed the flesh inside plastic garbage bags. He wrapped the bones inside a sheet and pounded them into splinters with a sledgehammer. The entire dismemberment process took him two hours to complete. He disposed of all Tuami's remains, including the severed head in the trash. The two weeks following Tuami's murder, he retained the victim's head wrapped in a blanket. Two weeks later, he uh, boiled the head with a mixture of soylix, an alkaline-based industrial detergent, and bleach in effort to retain the skull, which he used as a stimulus for masturbation. Eventually, the skull was rendered too brittle by this bleaching process, so he pulverized it to dispose of it. Uh, Intermediate incidents after the Tuami murder he began seeking victims, most of whom encountered were close to gay bars and whom he typically lured to his grandmother's home. He would then drug his victims uh, with triazolam or temazepam. Um, before... What? Oh. So, he actually encountered... This is going to piss you off. Just listen. Uh, Dahmer encountered a 14-year-old Native American male prostitute named James Doaxter. Dahmer lured the youth into his home with the offer of 50 to pose for nude pictures. At Dahmer's West Alice at residence, the pair engaged in sexual activity before Dahmer drugged Doaxter and strangled him on the floor of the ceiling. Uh, 
so for the seller. Dahmer left the body in the cellar for one week before dismembering it the same way and matter he had did Tuami. He placed all of the Dwaxter's um, remains, including the skull, in the trash. The skull was boiled and cleansed and bleached before Dahmer noted it had been rendered too brittle to process. He pulverized the skull two weeks later. On March 24th, 1988, Dahmer met 22-year-old bisexual man by the name of Richard Guerrero outside a gay bar called The Phoenix. Dahmer lured Guerrero to his grandmother's residence, although the incentive on this occasion was $50 to simply spend the remainder of the night with him. He drugged Guerrero with sleeping pills and strangled him with a leather strap. He then was performing oral sex upon the corpse. He then dismembered Guerrero's body within 24 hours of murdering him, again disposing the remains in the trash like he did the first two. April 23rd, he lured another young man in his house. However, after giving the victim a drug coffee, both Andy attended heard the victim's grandmother call. Is that you, Jeff? Although Dahmer replied in a manner that led his grandma to believe he was alone, she did observe that Dahmer was not alone. Because of this, he opted not to kill his particular victim and to wait until he became unconscious before taking him to the county general hospital. <coughs> Because of this, Mima actually saved her life. In September of 88, Dahmer's grandmother asked him to move out, largely because of his drinking and the habit of bringing young men to her house late at night, and the foul smells occasionally emanating from both the basement and the garage. He found a one-bedroom apartment in 808 North 24th Street and moved into the new residence on September 25th. Two days later, he was arrested for drugging and fondling a 13-year-old boy who had lured to his home to a pretext of posing nude for photographs. Dahmer's father hired an attorney named Gerald Boyle to defend his son at Boyle's request. Dahmer's underwent a series of psychological evaluations. Prior to upon his court hearings, these evaluations ran, revealed that he harbored dark feelings of alienation. And the evaluation two months later, Dahmer had to be an impulsive individual, suspicious of... Uh, Excuse me, of others and dismayed his lack of accomplishments in life. His probation officer would mostly also reference an 87 diagnosis that Dahmer was suffering from schizoid personality disorder. Schizoid personality disorder, guys, um, is a personality disorder by characterized by lack of interest in social relationships, a tendency of solidarity, of sheltered lifestyle, secretness, emotional coldness, detachment, and apathy. So it actually means that he was also living his own fantasy world, still to stage, lack of depriving, depriving himself of enjoyment, um, like in a, you know. So, on uh, January thirtieth, nineteen eighty nine, he pleaded guilty to second degree sexual assault by enticing a child for immoral purposes. Sentencing for the assault was suspended until May. On March twentieth, Dahmer commenced the ten day Easter's absence from work. During the he moved back into his grandmother's home. Um, two months after his conviction, two months prior to his sentencing for a sexual assault, Dahmer murdered his fifth victim, a mixed fifth victim, yeah, a mixed race, twenty-four-year-old um, aspiring model named Anthony Sears, who um, Dahmer met at a gay bar, um, in uh, March eighty-nine of eighteen-eighty-nine. According to Dahmer, on this particular occasion, he was not looking to commit a crime. However, shortly closing time. Sears just started talking to me. He lured Sears to his grandmother's house where they engaged in oral sex before Dahmer drugged and strangled him. Um, the following morning, 
Dahmer placed the corpse in his grandmother's bathtub where he decapitated the body before attempting to flay the corpse. He then stripped the flesh from the body, pulverized the bones, which he again disposed in the trash. According to Dahmer, he found Sears exceptionally attractive. What? Oh. Um. <laughs> Sears is the first victim from who he permanently retained any body parts from. He preserved Spears, Sears's head and genitalia in acetone and stored them in a wooden box. He later then placed in his work locker. When he moved to his new address the following year, he took his remains there. And now, May 23rd, 1889, Dahmer was sentenced to five years probation and one year in house of correction. A work release permit permitted in order he'd be able to keep his job. He was also required to register as a sex offender. So, he was in and out of jail, in and out of jail due to sexual assaults. Why did the hell he let him out when he was he was a serial offender? That's the problem with some of these fucking um, cities and their, their law ordinances and whatnot. If you're, if you're a repeat sex offender, why do they keep letting you out? They need to fu- They need to fucking chemically castrate these assholes. Like, I mean, like for, for example, for child molesters, child sex offenders, you, you like, yeah, you get off on hurting little kids. You don't need, you don't need your fucking ding dong no more. Fucking chemi- like chemically castrate them. <clears throat> That way it won't work. <sighs> so, the nighty killing spray from, um, <clears throat> after Sears being dead or <laughs> being killed, uh, his sixth victim was Raymond Smith, who was a 32 year old prostitute. He lured them for, to his apartment in uh, 213, and with the promise of $50 for sex, inside the apartment, he gave Smith a, la- a drink laced with sleeping pills, then strangled him. So, he took. Several pictures of his po- with his Polaroid, he took several pictures of Smith's body in suggestive positions, but before dismembering him in the bathroom, he boiled his legs, arms, and pelvis in a steel kettle with Soilex, which allowed him to rinse the bones in the sink. He dissolved the remainder of Smith's skeleton, excluding the skull in a container filled with acid. He later then spray-painted Smith's skull that he placed alongside the skull of Sears in a black towel inside the metal f- filing cabinet. Approximately one week after that murder, he lured another young man in his apartment. So this goes on and on and on and on and on. So he actually, yeah, like he actually killed 16 men from the span of night into 90s. Um... I mean, it just got there to where he was just like, it was the same method. Um, basically, try to drug him, strangle him, and then he would perform necrophilia on these bodies. So the last murder he he actually did was. Um, this was, I think, his last victim. His name was Oliver Lacey. Oliver Lacey was a 24-year-old. Um, agreed to posing nude for him. Same thing. He um, Actually, he rendered him unconscious of chloroform. Phoned his workplace as a request a day's absence. It was granted. And the next thing you know, he was suspended um, because he kept calling out. 
After strangling Lacey, Dahmer had sex with a corpse. Before dismembering him, he placed Lacey's head and heart in the refrigerator and his skeleton in the freezer. Four days later on, he received word that he was fired. Upon receiving this news, Dahmer lured another victim. Actually, that was his last victim, Joseph Bradhoff, into his apartment. He was strangled and left lying in Dahmer's bed uncovered with a sheet for two days. Dahmer removed these sheets to find a head covered in maggots, whereupon he decapitated the body, cleaned the head, Placed in the refrigerator and later acidified his um, torso. So this is basically the ending part of how he started killing people. And he what he was doing was that he was starting to get into the um, making um he wanted to make him into like a fucking zombie too. Like he drilled a hole into one of his victims' skulls, Errol Lindsay, and he poured hydrochloric acid on it. According to Dahmer, he woke up after this experiment with he had conceived a helping in making a um a zombie or whatever. But that didn't work. So Yeah. Wow. He wanted to make like a sex zombie, somebody who's submissive. He murdered a bunch of people. I mean I mean David Thomas. Oh my god. Ernest Miller. How many did he kill? Ed, Edward Smith, 16. Edward Smith was 27 years old. Yeah. After he moved out of his grandma's house, he killed Raymond Smith. Um... Edward Smith. And then this is a quote from what he was talking to an interviewer about. Um, It was my way of remembering their appearance, their physical beauty. I also wanted to keep, if I couldn't keep them, there was me, uh, there was me whole, at least I could keep their skeletons. This is him remembering, like, why he kept some of the body parts and shit. Ernest Miller um, was laced uh, with two sleeping pills. He uh, killed Miller by slashing his carotid artery. He bled without within minutes, posted his body nude, took pictures of his body, dismembered him. Um. (coughs) So he kind of took like a five-month period of without killing somebody. And then he started going back out again. And this happened in 91 when he killed Curtis Strotter. And then Errol Lindsay. So, 91 fellow residents of Oxford Apartments had repeatedly complained about the ma- to uh, the building manager of a foul smell coming from the apartment. Um, addition to sounds of falling objects and occasional sound of a chainsaw. The uh, super did contact Dahmer in response to these complaints, although he initially excused the odors emanating from the apartment uh, to being caused by his freezers or breaking, uh, causing the uh, contents to become spoiled on later occasions. He informed Prince Well, that was the name of the super, that the reason the resurgence of the odor was several of his tropical fish had recently died, and yet he would take care of the matter. So he actually also killed a 14-year-old named Conorek Cynthia Somersfone. He was actually a 14-year-old, wow, oh, yeah, 
Um, he was the younger brother of the boy who he had molested in 88, approached um, the youth with an offer of money to accompany him to his apartment to pose for a pose for nude pictures. Um, the kid initially reluctantly uh, reluctant to the proposal before changing his mind and accompanying him to his apartment. So he was already thinking, like, I don't think so. Then he actually went for it. Um, Dahmer drugged him, had oral sex with him, and then drilled a hole in his skull. Um, Tony Hughes was another kid, was another, was another man that he killed. Um... So I passed the second mark. Uh, I think we left off at where he killed the kid with the second shot of uh, hydrochloric acid in the brain. What he would do is he drained, a, he drilled a hole into the kid's head, and uh, he was talking about wanting to make him like a submissive person and shit like that. So. His arrest and capture was on July 22nd in 1991. Uh, Dahmer approached three men with the offer of $100 to accompany him to his apartment to pose for new photographs, drink beer, and see, simply keep him company. I'm sorry, guys. One in the trio, 32-year-old Tracy Edwards, agreed to accompany him to the apartment upon entering Dahmer's apartment. Edwards noted a foul, no, a foul odor with several boxes of hydrochloric acid on the floor, which Dahmer claimed to use for cleaning bricks. After some minor conversation, Edwards responded to Dahmer's request to turn his head and view tropical fish. Whereupon, Dahmer placed a handcuff upon his wrist when he asked, What's happening? Dahmer unsuccessfully attempted to cuff his wrist together when he told Edwards to accompany him to the bedroom to pose for new photos. Inside the bedroom, no, Edwards noted a nude male posters on the wall with a videotape of The Exorcist 3 was playing, where he noted, no, also noted a blue 57-gallon drum in the corner from which a strong odor emanated. Dahmer had brain, brandished a knife and informed Edwards he intended to take, take nude photos of him and it attempted to appease Dahmer. Edwards unbuttoned his shirt, saying he would allow him to do so if he removed his handcuffs and put the knife away. In response to this promise, Dahmer simply turned attention to the TV. Edwards observed Dahmer walking back and forth and chanting before turning his head back to him and placed his head on his on his Edwards' chest and listened to his heartbeat and pressed the knife against his attendant victim. And he informed... He informed um, that he was going to eat his heart. He, was gonna tell, he told Edwards he intended to eat his heart. In continuous attempts to prevent Dahmer from attacking him, Edwards repeated that he was Dahmer's friend and he was not going to run away. Edwards decided that he was going to either jump from a window or run through an unlocked open door upon the next available opportunity. When Edwards next decided that he used, needed to use the bathroom, he, could, he asked if they could sit and have a beer in the living room. Where there was air conditioning, Dahmer consented, and the pair walked to the living room where Edwards exited the bathroom. Inside the living room, Edwards waited until he observed Dahmer to have a momentary lapse of concentration before requesting to use the bathroom again. When Edwards rose from the couch, he noted Dahmer was not holding handcuffs, whereupon he punched him in the face, knocking Dahmer off balance and ran out the front door. At 11.30 on July 22nd, Dahmer's flagged down, not Dahmer, Dahmer Edwards, 
flagged down two Milwaukee police officers, Robert Roth and Rolf Mueller, on the corner of North 25th and yeah North 25th Street. The officers noted Edwards had a handcuff attached to his wrist, whereupon he explained to the officers that a freak had placed a handcuff on him and asked the police if he could remove them. When the officers' hand- handcuff keys failed to fit the brand of handcuffs, Edwards agreed to accompany the officers to the apartment where Edwards stated he had spent the previous five hours before escaping. When the officers and Edwards arrived at the apartment 213, Dahmer invited the trio inside and acknowledged the handcuffs. He indeed put the handcuffs on Edwards, although he offered no explanation why he had done so. Edwards said to the officer that Dahmer had brandished a large knife upon him, and this had happened in the bedroom. Dahmer made no comment to this revelation, indicating that one of the officers had the key to the cuffs of his dresser. Mueller passed the bedroom. Dahmer attempted to pass Mueller and resolved to achieve the key, whereupon the second president, pres, officer president, Roth, informed him to back off. In the bedroom, Mueller noted there was indeed a large knife on the bed. He also saw an open drawer, which, in closer inspection, contained scores of pictures, many of which human bodies in various stages of dismemberment. He also noted the decor indicated they had been taken in very, this very apartment where they were standing. Mueller walked in the living room to show his partner other words, These are for real. When Dahmer saw that Mueller was holding the Polaroids, he fought with officers in ever to resist arrest. The officers quickly overpowered him, cuffed his hands behind his back, called the second squad car for backup. At this point, Mueller opened the refrigerator to reveal the refresh- freshly severed head of a black male on the bottom shelf, and Dahmer lay pins on the floor beneath Roth and turned towards the officers and muttered the words, For what I did, I should be dead. The more detailed search of the apartment conducted by Milwaukee's Criminal Investigation Bureau revealed that a total of four several heads in Dahmer's kitchen a total of seven skulls, some painted, some bleached, were found in Dahmer's bedroom and inside a closet. In addition to investigators discovered blood drippings upon a tray in Dahmer's refrigerator plus two human hearts, a portion of an arm muscle, each wrapped in plastic bags and on shelves. In Dahmer's freezer, investigators discovered an entire torso, plus a bag of human organs from flesh stuck into ice on the bottom. So they moved the drum, the, yeah, the contractors, and they had um, private contractors from the fire department's hazmat team to remove the gallon drum from his apartment. Um... They discovered skeletons, pairs of human hands, severed and preserved two severed and preserved penises, a mummified scalp, and in a fifty-seven gallon drum, three further dismembered torsos dissolving in acid solution. A total of seventy-four Polaroid pictures detailing dismemberment of his victims were found in the reference to their body parts and artifacts on nine twenty-four North Twenty-fifth Street. A chief medical examiner later said there was more dismantling someone's museum than an actual crime scene. In a confession, he actually just was ready to admit everything, having killed 16 young men in Wisconsin since 1987. <coughs> With one further victim, <coughs> which was Stephen Hicks, who was killed in 78. Most of it, Dahmer's victims have been rendered unconscious prior before their murder, which means he did drug them or sedate them in a way. Um, he had no memory of killing Stephen Tuami, um, who was beaten to death, apparently. And the way he posted, or the way he positioned the bodies before taking pictures of them, um, acts of necrophilia, 
um, messing with their bodies in the bathtub. All this shit that he actually admitted to doing to their bodies. And this is like, you know, he actually drew diagrams to and like explain the pictures. Um, what he used to cover the smell of the rotting flesh. He was indicted in July 25th, uh, 1991. He was charged with four counts of first-degree murder. By August 22nd, he was charged with further 11 murders committed in Wisconsin. And in September, 24, um, September 14th, investigators in Ohio having discovered uncovered hundreds of bone fragments of woodland behind their address, which Dahmer had confessed to killing his first victim, formally identified two molars and a vertebrae and x-ray, according to Hicks. Um, three days later, he was charged with uh, Hicks's murder as well. Although he was not charged with the attempted murder of Edwards, nor with the murder of Tuami, he was charged. He was not charged with Tuami's murder because of the Milwaukee District Attorney only brought charges where murder could be proven to reasonable doubt, and Dahmer had no memory of actually committing the particular murder. There was no physical evidence for the crime existing at the scheduled preliminary hearing. Dahmer pleaded guilty, but to, but insanity to fifteen counts of murder. So that didn't happen. They found him fit for trial. So, during his trial, they were trying to see if he was fit for, for, fit for um, the crime and all this shit. They actually did find him sane to um, stand trial. Uh, they had the uh, the doctors. Uh, the defense actually had a, an expert testify that he was uh, unable to conform to conduct by the time because he was actually suffering from paraphilia or specifically necrophilia. Like I said, guys, necrophilia is the act of having sex with a corpse. Um, yeah. He's actually also, uh, he pers- he per- preferred comatose sexual partners to the deceased one, 75% of the time, which means most of his victims were incapacitated while he was doing stuff to them, and then when he died, he still performed necrophilia. <coughs> so he had a button, you know, they were going through his whole little basket full of um, psychological disorders. The prosecution rejected the defense's argument that Dahmer was crazy. Forensic psychiatrist, uh, Dr. Philip Resnick testified that Dahmer did not suffer from primary necrophilia because he preferred live sexual partners as evidence to by efforts to create unresisted submissive sexual partners of devoid rational thought or to those that he did not need to cater. According to prosecution to expert to testify, Dr. Fred Fostel testified to his belief that Dahmer was without mental disease or defect at the time he committed the murders, which means he was already he already knew what he was gonna do. They also concluded that he was not a sadist. Uh, final witnesses to appear for the prosecution. Um, he began his testimony on February 12th. Park Dietz testified that he did not believe Dahmer to be suffering from any mental disease or defect at the time when he committed the crimes, stating that Dahmer went to great lengths to be alone with his victim and have no witnesses. He also explained that, that there was ample and evidence that Dahmer prepared in advance to mur- for each murder, therefore his crimes were not impulsive, which is true because he actually went out there, bought acid, had acid on standby to do all this shit, you know. Um, yeah. And they said he was going crazy because he kept watching it at Exorcist 3. I really did not like that one. Did you like that one, movie? The third exorcist, that didn't make sense. 
Okay. So, they're saying because it's alcoholism and all this kind of contributed to it. Um, you know, I don't think so. I mean, half the shit he did was just, like, you know, premeditating, even though they're saying it's not it was because he wouldn't have gone and attacked so many, so many young men. Um... So this trial lasted two weeks on February 14th. Both counsels delivered their closing arguments to the jury. Each counsel was allowed to speak for two hours. And... On February 15th, the court reconvened to hear the verdict. He was ruled to be sane and not suffering from any mental disorder at the time. For each 15 murders, he was tried, although each count, two of the 12 jurors signified their dissent. Former sentencing was postponed until February 17th. On this date, Dahmer's attorney announced his client wished to address the court. Dahmer then approached the lectern and read from a statement prepared by himself and his defense as he faced the judge. In this statement, Dahmer emphasized that he never desired freedom for following his arrest, that he frankly wished for his own death. He further stressed that none of his, that none of his murders had been motivated by hatred, that he understood that nothing he either said or done could undo this terrible harm. He had caused the families and victims of the city of Milwaukee, and that he had his doctors believe that his criminal behavior had been motivated by mental disorders. Donner then added that medical knowledge had given him some peace, and that although he understood that society would never forgive him, he hoped God would. Dahmer closed the statement with following, I know my time in prison will be terrible, but I deserve whatever I get because I would have done. Thank you, Your Honor, and I am prepared for your sentence, which I know will be the maximum. I ask for no consideration and return to his seat, awaiting his formal sentencing. He was then sentenced to life imprisonment plus 10 years upon the first two two counts and the remaining 13 counts carrying a mandatory sentence of life imprisonment for 70 years, plus 70 years. The death penalty was not an option for Judge Graham to consider, the penalty phase, um, as Wisconsin had abolished the capital punishment in 1853. Upon hearing Dahmer's sentencing, his li- father Lionel and stepmother Sherry requested to be allowed to attend a private meeting with their son before he was transferred to Columbia Correctional Institution to begin his sentence. The request was granted, and the trio exchanged hugs and well wishes before Dahmer was escorted away. Three months after his conviction in Milwaukee, Dahmer was extradited to Ohio to be tried for the murder of Stephen Hicks. And the court lasting for about 45 minutes, he then pleaded again guilty for the charges and was sentenced to a 16th term of life. So upon sentencing, he was transferred to Columbia Correctional Institution for the first year of his incarceration. Dahmer was placed in solitary confinement due to concerns for the physical safety and that he would come into contact with fellow inmates. With Dahmer's consent, after one year of celebrity confinement, he was transferred to a less secure unit where he was assigned to two-hour daily work, including the toilet block. Shortly after completing his lengthy confessions in 91, he requested that Detective Murray, Murphy, my bad, would be given a copy of, had be, that he be given a copy of the Bible. His request was granted. He gradually devoted himself to Christianity and became a born-again Christian. On his father's urging, he also read the Creationist Books and Institute for Creation Research. On May 1994, Dahmer was baptized by Roy Radcliffe, the minister in Church of Christ and a graduate of Oklahoma Christian University in the prison whirlpool. Following his baptism, Radcliffe visited Dahmer on a weekly basis up to November 1994. Dahmer and Radcliffe regularly discussed the prospect of death, and Dahmer questioned whether his sitting against God by continuing to live, referring his crimes to a 94 interview by Stone with Stone Phillips on Dateline. Dahmer has stated, if a person doesn't do think that 
<laughs> there is a God to be accountable to, then what's the point of to my trying to body modify your behavior to keep up with acceptable ranges? On July third, nineteen ninety four, a fellow MA El Salvo Dorothy attempted to slash Dahmer's throat with a razor and bed it with a toothbrush as Dahmer sat in a prison chapel after a weekly church was concluded. Dahmer received superficial wounds and was seriously not was not seriously hurt in his incident. According to Dahmer's family, he had been ready to die and accepted any punishment that he might accept in prison. In addition, his father and stepmother maintained regular contact with his mother. Um, regular contact with Dahmer's mother Joyce had also maintained regular contact with her son. Although prior to his arrest, the two had not seen each other since Christmas in '83. Joyce related that. And her weekly calls, whenever she expressed concerns of her son's physical well-being, Dahmer responded with comments, It doesn't matter, Mom. I don't care what happens to me. On the morning of November 28th, Dahmer left his cell to conduct his assigned work detail. Accompanying him were two fellow inmates, Jesse Anderson and Christopher Scarver. The trio were left unsupervised in the showers of the prison gym for approximately 20 minutes. At approximately 8.10, Dahmer was discovered on the floor in the bathroom, so the gym suffered extreme head wounds. He had been severely bludgeoned about the head and face with a 20-inch metal bar. His head had been repeatedly struck against the wall when the assault. Dahmer was still alive and rushed to a nearby hospital, where he was pronounced dead one hour later. Anderson had also been beaten with the same instrument, died two days later from his wounds. Scarver, who was serving life sentence for a murder committed in 90, informed the authorities that he attacked Dahmer with the metal bar and was cleaning the staff locker room before attacking Anderson. Anderson cleaned the locker bed, the inmate locker room. According to Scarver, Dahmer did not yell or make any noise as he was attacked. Immediately after talking, talk, attacking both men, Scarver, who was thought to be schizophrenic, returned to his cell and informed the prison guard, God told me to do it. Jesse Anderson and Jeffrey Dahmer are dead. Scriber was adamant that he did not plan the attacks in advance, although he did later divulge it to the investigators that he had concealed the 20-inch iron bar he used to kill both men in his clothing shortly after the kill before the killings. Upon learning about his death, Dahmer's mother, Joyce, responded angrily to the media. Now is everybody happy now that he's bludgeoned to death? Is that good enough for everyone? The response of Dahmer's family is, well, Victims were mixed, although it appears most were pleased with his death. The district attorney who prosecuted cautioned against turning Scarver into a folk hero, noting that Dahmer's death was still murder. On May 15, Scarver was sentenced to two additional terms of life imprisonment for the murders of Dahmer and Anderson. Although Scarver confessed in '94 to having concealed the weapon he used to kill Dahmer and Anderson on his clothing, uh, the morning of the murder, he, 2015, he publicly stated that the murders of Dahmer and Anderson had resulted from a confrontation in which of the two men had poked him. Scarver in the back and three had begun to sign working details. In the renewed accounts of events, Scarver claimed that the two had laughed at him when he had turned around in response before Dahmer and Anderson watched him, walked in separate rooms and began their cleaning duty, with Scarver following Dahmer towards the staff locker bed, the locker room. Scarborough alleges that immediately after murdering Dahmer, he had cornered him present to the newspaper de- detailing Dahmer's crimes, demanding that Dahmer answer about the, if, whether the account was true. Scarborough alleged that he had been revolted by Dahmer's crimes and that Dahmer had been openly unrepentant. Dahmer taunted prison employees and fellow inmates with shaping prisoners for the imitations of severed limbs complete with ketchup to simulate blood splattering, and that prison staff, knowing of Scarver's hatred for Dahmer, had deliberately left the two men unsupervised so he could kill him. 
Furthermore, Scarborough stated that Dahmer was so disliked by fellow inmates that he required a personal escort, at least by one guard, whenever he was out of his cell to prevent inmates from attacking him. Dahmer had stated in his will that he wished for no services to be conducted and he wished to be cremated. In 95, Dahmer's body was cremated and his ashes divided between his family. In the aftermath, on August 5th, 91, the nature of the scale of Dahmer's crimes came to light in a candlelight vigil to celebrate the Hill Mil- the Milwaukee community. It was attended more than by 400 people. Present at the vigil were community leaders, gay rights activists, and members of Dahmer's, former, um, Dahmer's victims. Organizers stated that the purpose of the vigil was to enable Milwaukeeans to share their feelings of pain and anger over what happened. The Oxford Apartments in 924 North 25th Street, where Dahmer had killed 12 of his victims, were demolished in November of 92. The site now is a vacant lot. Alternate plans to convert the site into a memorial garden, playground, and reconstruction to have, or new housing have failed to be even materialized. Dahmer's estate was awarded to the families of 11 of the victims who had sued for damages. And 96, Thomas Jacobson, a lawyer representing eight of the families, announced a plan to auction Dahmer's estate. Although family relatives uh, stated that the motivation was not greed, the announcement sparked controversy. Uh, the civic group, Milwaukee Civic Pride, quickly established an effort to raise funds to purchase and destroy Dahmer's position, possessions. The group pledged $407,225, including a $100,000 gift by Milwaukee real estate developer Joseph Silber. The purchase of Dahmer's estate, five of eight families represented by Jacobson, agreed to the terms, and his possessions were subsequently destroyed and buried in an undisclosed Illinois landfill. Uh, Lionel is retired and now lives with his second wife. Both have refused to change their surname to a percep- a pro- pro- and have professed their love for Dahmer for despite of his crimes. And he actually um, published a book called A Father's Story and donated a portion of proceeds from his books to his victims' families. Most of the families showed support for Lionel and Sherry, although three families subsequently sued Lionel for usernames in the book without obtaining prior consent. The first family, that of Stephen Hicks, filed a wrongful death suit against Lionel and Sherry and former wife Joyce in signing parental negligence that caused the claim. Joint and Flint died of cancer in 2000 prior to her death. She attempted suicide at least one occasion. Um, Dahmer's younger brother changed his name and lives in anonymity. So there's movies and documentaries. There's actually a movie called The Secret Life of Jeffrey, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. That was in 93. Uh, bio- biological, biographical film uh, Dahmer was released in 2002. Raising Jeffrey Dahmer. The Jeffrey Dahmer Files. My Friend Dahmer. That was a crazy one. I actually watched that. That was just like, yeah. There's books called My Friend Dahmer. Um, the Milwaukee Massacre. Minds on Trial. There's a lot of stuff on here, guys. I actually have a book called... I have a book. I have two books. One's called... The killer book of serial killers. Jeffrey Dahmer actually has a chapter in that one. And the serial killer files, so he's in there too. <coughs> so they actually have different news channels that actually have segments involved with Dahmer. Um, Most Evil, Born to Kill. Um, Oxygen has one called Dahmer on Dahmer. The serial Killer Speaks. Um, Doug Tourist, there's actually someone... Actually, like, went to the, bar- like, not even barrel stuff, but the, the empty lot, you know. So, 
it's with gross, I guess, gross negligence of parenting and all that could actually lead their kid to be a fucking killer. I mean, you never know. There's a lot of shit that can cause a person to murder somebody out of a whim, um, out of their own fantasies, what have you. Me neither. So, guys, uh, this is concluding tonight's episode of Odd Pods of the Odd Bod. Um, there you have it. There's Jeffrey Dahmer. So guys, just stop asking me about it. <laughs> so, uh, do what we will do with that information, children. Um, I'm going to go ahead and chill out now. So, I will talk to you guys soon and figure out what I'm going to do for you guys tomorrow. Sorry, it's been like a whole long time. But yeah, this has been Odd Pods with the Odd Bob. This episode was Jeffrey Dahmer brought to you guys by Anchor. And I was joined by... The Rue 25. The Rue 25. She's, I don't know, she's rolling, rolling energy. Are you rolling, rolling energy? <laughs> Wee! <laughs> and the elder one, she kind of knocked out, so yeah. <laughs> so I'll check you guys out later. Um, you guys know what to hit me up on my socials. Uh, it's Odd Pods of the Odd Broad at Instagram. You can catch me at It's Cyrus to You on both Snapchat and Instagram. You can hit me up on here for the voice messenger, thingamabob. Um, well, yeah, whatever. So talk to you guys soon. Bye.